0: Hello, this is Angie, and I'm here with Joy. And today we're going to be discussing the book To Kill a Mockingbird. But before we begin, I just want to tell our listeners that we're on our third podcast now. And so we just got through doing the podcast about uh, I Heard the I'll Call My Name and Bare Bones. We were recommending those books. And so I'm hoping I got all the laughter out of my system. So we basically went from laughing our heads off to now we're talking about To Kill a Mockingbird. So it's kind of like I'm having to get in the mode. Right, We may also want to give a shout out to Wendy. Oh, yeah. Wendy Cooper. So, Wendy Locklear Cooper. We always knew her as Wendy Locklear, but now it's Wendy Cooper. So, Wendy apparently just uh, stumbled upon our podcast, and she wrote us a little message on Facebook and said she enjoyed The Outsiders. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just love Wendy. She's one of these people... Do you remember that podcast we had And we were talking about how we don't laugh easily? Yeah. Well, she is one of these people that she does. Yeah, she laughs easily. She Uh always has a smile on her face.
1: That's exactly. she's right. awesome
0: because she always seems happy yeah she's one of those people like when you're around her she just lifts the it's contagious it's her, contagious yeah, yeah her joy is contagious yeah. so we love you Wendy yeah so I was just and she's the one that suggested we do To Kill a Mockingbird mm-hmm. and what's another kind of no-brainer like oh yeah that's one of my favorite books ever we need to do that so well, th- we talked about doing this back in the beginning it was kind of, it was one of those books that were like oh we'll definitely do To Kill a Mockingbird we just didn't know okay I guess point. I had forgotten about yeah, that yeah we just didn't know at what point point. and then right. when she mentioned it I it reminded me that oh yeah we never did do that okay so yeah thanks wendy for reminding us this is an awesome book and it's a good recommendation yes thank you okay so got that out of the way um so to kill a mockingbird is by harper lee it was published in 1960 and just real quickly you know i'm thinking to the average person who reads wouldn't you think the average person has read this book no, oh, really? <laughs> okay. because the reason I say that is just and being a teacher, uh, we just assume people know all the books we know and all the music we know and what we That's grew true. up with, but I cannot tell you how many times in class I'll mention the name of a TV show or a famous actor or actress, and a lot of my students... You get those blank stares. I get the blank stares. Like, even just today, uh, someone said something about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and, and they said, bueller bueller they were trying to make a joke and they said the teenagers in the room were all giving him a blank stare oh uh, like yeah. they weren't familiar with their <laughs> so no 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 i i don't i don't think it's safe to assume that especially younger people maybe people our age or okay. adults may be familiar but younger people i would not assume that they're familiar with this book at all okay so let's okay then let me go ahead and give a brief summary of the book The book is set in the small southern town of Maycomb, Alabama, during the Depression. To Kill a Mockingbird follows three years in the life of eight-year-old Scout Finch, her brother Jim, and their father Atticus. Three years punctuated by the arrest and eventual trial of a young black man accused of raping a white woman. Though her story exposes big themes, Harper Lee chooses to tell it through the eyes of a child. The result is a tough and tender novel of race, class, justice, and the pain of growing up. Okay, so I still feel like even though maybe some people haven't read it, I almost feel like people have heard of it. Yeah, maybe people have heard of it, but maybe not necessarily read it. And the movie's so old. I don't know that they would have seen the movie either. Right. You're right. Oh, it was in black and white, wasn't it? Mm, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, so To Kill a Mockingbird was an instant success in the United States, and it's uh, widely read in high schools and middle schools. And I think that's the reason I was thinking most people have read it, because it's kind of required reading. Mm -hmm. But then you talk to people like my husband and possibly yours, even if something's required required reading doesn't mean they read it. That they necessarily read right, it, yeah. Right, But it's become a classic of American literature, and it won the Pulitzer Prize. And today, it's regarded as a masterpiece of American literature. Okay, now I want to, I don't know if you knew this or not. In 1999, it was voted as the best novel of the century in a poll by Library uh, Central. No, I did not know that. The best book of the century. Yeah, now, this was just a particular mm-hmm. organization that had a poll among mm-hmm. their readers, and they said, we want you to vote what you're the best book of the century, and it wow. was nominated as the best book of the century. That's amazing. Um, not nominated, it, it, it won. won. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted your response to that. So, um, oh, wow, that's major. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but do you understand why? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I agree. I, to me, this is one of the best books I've ever read in my Life, Okay. One of the best written books I've ever read. I totally, totally agree. So, why do you think this book has such a wide appeal? Well, because it's told through a child's eyes. So, it's Mm -hmm. told without, I guess, well, there's a little prejudice through her eyes, but it's we've got purity and innocence and she's still, Scout, she's still naive and we're just seeing everything through a child's eyes. The characters are unforgettable. How many times have we said that? A good book has unforgettable characters. How could you ever forget Jim and Scout and Atticus and Calpurnia and Boo Radley and (laughs) And And Deal? The characters are just unforgettable. Yeah. I was thinking, and maybe I'm a little prejudiced, but it's set in the South, mm-hmm. and you know, to us, this feels like home to me. When yeah. I read this book, it's it's not, it's not like another world to me. I right. can totally envision foreign. right. And sometimes I think us Southerners are kind of likable, don't you? Uh, yeah, I yeah, agree. <laughs> I think you know some for I think I think some people that read this book, it is like a a whole other way of thinking in life, you know. And to so them, it probably was kind of captivating at the time. Um, so let's talk about Harper Lee for just a second. We're not going to get too much on this, but, um, I just thought this was interesting that To Kill a Mockingbird was her only major work. Um, did you, do you know much about her? I know she was a lawyer. And that she did live in New York City. Oh, she was a lawyer? Yes. Oh, I didn't see that in my research. I'm pretty sure her dad was a lawyer. Her her dad was a lawyer. And that she became Mm -hmm. a lawyer and that she did live in New York City Hmm. uh, for a while. And that she did grow up in a small southern town. I'm trying to remember. Okay. So a lot of the book is reflected on her, some of her real life, I think. Not that these things happen, but... Her general background. Yeah. And I was pretty... uh, Honestly, I was very lazy in my research about her. But yes, her father was a lawyer... He was in the Alabama State Legislature from 1926 to 1938, and she was a tomboy. So I, you know, I think I'm guessing Scout probably reflected her childhood oh, yeah. a lot. I definitely think Scout is probably loosely based on maybe her how yeah. she was when she was a little girl. Yeah, and since the publication, um, I read that she has granted very few requests for interviews or public appearances. And, um, had, and this says she's published no other novels, but didn't you tell me that you read another novel? Yeah. Her? So this is kind of cool. Uh, I think she was in her eighties and her agent or someone, I'm not going to tell this right. I'm sure. But someone found the original manuscript of uh, the, it was basically the first writing of this book and it's called Go Set a Watchman. And it comes from the Bible, from where they said, go set a watchman on the wall to watch for the enemies. And one, I should have looked this up, but it's in the Bible. And Atticus was supposed to represent the watchman. He was like the moral watchman of the town. Oh, wow. That's that's neat. But here's the deal. <laughs> and to our listeners, once again, thank you for listening. Um, But I, I did not like the book. You just can't. Okay, you've got this masterpiece and to, to uh, kill a mockingbird. You're just going to be so disappointed if you read To Go Set a Watchman. It's so different, and it's told from, it's told from Scout's perspective, but she's an adult, so it changes everything. Oh. And Atticus is seen as more prejudiced, and it's she, her heart is broken because she sees him as very as a very prejudiced man, and the story's just totally different. And I, oh, I had to force myself to get through and it. That's because, the original. That's, manuscript. yeah. Well, from what I understand, that was the original manuscript, and her editor said you've got some great characters. You, we need to hang on to these characters. She said, but I feel like the most powerful p- parts of your book are the ones about Scout and Jim when they were young. I, I think the book had flashbacks to when mm. they were young. She goes, that's the most powerful, and it's more powerful when it's when you show things through their eyes. And she said, uh, so I guess Harper Lee and this editor, they would do, give, and take, give and take until they had what today we have as To Kill a Mockingbird. But there's a big debate over to to go set a watchman. Some people said that because she was Harper Lee was 83 years old. Some people say she did not give consent for it to be hmm. published, that people were just out for money, you know. And then other people say, no, she did give consent. There's a big debate on whether she actually gave consent or not. And so it's to me, it was very disappointing, but it never was meant to be. It was just like the first, basically the first, her first book, the first draft of To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. Then the editor made all the suggestions. She listened to the suggestions. And then we have the masterpiece today. So I would say you're going to be disappointed if you read To Go Set a Watchman, if you love this book. Okay. But I I do like... uh the reference you made about Atticus being a watchman. Yes, he was considered because, like the moral watchman because that in the book that's what he was. Yeah, he, he really was, was like the moral uh, conscience throughout uh, yeah. the whole book. So, mm-hmm. okay, do you remember the first time you ever read this book? I believe it was required reading for us when we were in ninth grade, eighth or ninth. That's what I think. I, re- I do believe. I don't we, want to say ninth. I do read it in junior high. It seems like. and. I loved it. And then when I did my student teaching, we also read it then, I'm pretty sure. And I got to teach it. So that was. And then when I taught English for a few years, I taught this as a 10th grade book. And the students always loved it. And there's always, it always, uh, we always had great discussions because there's so many things to talk about. So, um, You know, one thing you and I talk a lot about on our podcast is when we read a book when we were young versus reading it now, Mm -hmm. how different things stand out to you over time. And that was a long time ago that, you know. Yeah. long time ago that we read that. Mm So, and I know. I can't do that higher math, so. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And I, you know, I hate this might be a hard question for you, but do you remember at the time when we were in junior high reading it, do you remember what stood out about the book to you at that time? Yes, what stood out about the book to me at that time was I just loved the story of the kids and how they interacted and how their little summer games. But Boo Radley, he was what stood out the most to me was this (laughs) phantom figure that they were so scared of. Boo Radley was the key thing that stood out to me as a ninth grader. I 100% agree. When I look back, that's what I remember was the little kids and them trying to get a peek at him through the windows, and they were scared to walk by his house. And then he's, you know, someone's leaving them, them these mysterious items in a tree. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the end, when she has to be a ham in this play at the end of the book, <laughs> yeah. and it was all the things about the kids yeah is, is what i everything anything to do with the kids and deal yeah. is what i remember was the focus so this time around at reading this as an adult mm-hmm. would you say those same things stood out to you no, or was it different here's how it was different as an adult i i realize now from an adult's perspective the the book is about racism it's about mm-hmm. prejudice it's about hypocrisy uh, but also one cool thing a lot of the humor i didn't get as a kid i got as an adult so I, that was cool yes. Yeah, is that kind of how you felt? Yeah, I did. Um, and and those things, I don't get me wrong. I still enjoyed the Boo Radley and the mm-hmm. deal coming every summer to visit and and the humor. But this time, for some reason, all the passages about Jim growing up, mm-hmm. you know, his struggles in um, coming of the, age, the coming yeah. of age, and him trying in his mind, he's trying to sort out. Wait, this is wrong. This is mm-hmm. right, or this is wrong, and he would often go off by itself. And the other thing, and I know this might seem weird that I'm mentioning this, but I kept noticing how every single scene, the author, she would tell you what the character's body was doing, like the body language. Yeah. And I was like, I, it just made me so vividly see, yeah. it. Like, like in the courtroom scenes, you know, she would say... Atticus was ha, ha, was leaning back against his chair, and his right elbow was draped over the back of his chair. Yeah, and well, she just, wants us to see. Yeah, yeah, so she's and, setting the picture yeah. for us. And I know what? all. I know it's like this in every book, and I know all authors do that. But for some reason, those uh, body language uh, phrases she uses, they mm-hmm. just really stood out to yeah. me. Yeah, you know time. what they did to me too. <laughs> I didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. I think we just notice the more, the the details in the mm-hmm. writing more when we're an adult than when we're yeah. younger sometimes. And especially she would say um, Atticus uh, pushed his glasses to the tip, the top of his, bridge and of his nose. And pinched his nose. And pinched and his nose. And, yeah. and I, I guess my point is that I was just like, it's, every time she would say anything to describe their body language, it, I could just so vividly see them just because yeah, of her she did a good job of, uh, yeah, uh, giving us mm-hmm. visuals. Okay, this is a tough question. Uh-oh. Favorite character. Who's your favorite character and why? So this is... It's impossible. Mm -hmm. To me, it's impossible to pick a favorite character but Scout, if I had to choose, it's got to be Scout. She's precocious and tomboy and just says what she thinks, and I love when she takes up cussing, and, <laughs> and um, I don't know, and, and how she beats she up the boys. They said she was fluently cussing at one point in the book, you know? yeah. and her whole reasoning behind that was that if her, if her dad thought she was picking up curse words at school, she wouldn't have yeah, to go Yeah, she, to she wouldn't have to anymore. go to school, so if I had to pick, it definitely would be Scout, but there's so many awesome characters in this book. It's so hard to choose. Who would your well, favorite heck, I picked, be? I picked Scout, too. Well, okay. So I was really struggling because I'm like, oh, I love Atticus because he's... You know, he's like this, such a noble mm-hmm. uh, person, and he, you know, he's everything a man should be, right? you know, and then there's Jim, and I love little boys, I just, yeah. you know, I just love little boys, and I just love everything about him, and yeah. I love, I love Jim. And you know, he's trying to act so grown up yeah. and knowledgeable. I love how he's bossing her around, and he would always act like he was so, I'm not scared of this or that, but yeah, mm-hmm. when it came, and, you know, and Scout would always call him out on it. Well, I sure seen you run past it pretty fast the other night, yeah. you know. Yeah, talking about the Radley place. The Radley yeah. place, and then, but yeah, I picked scout because i thought you know i just felt so sorry for her all through the book mm-hmm. she's grown up without a mama and here and we go again no. like we talked about this before here we have a book another book without a, a parental figure mm-hmm. missing the mom is gone and that leads to to me that leads to the some of the most interesting struggles in the book because you've got calpurnia trying to raise uh, the kids attic is trying to raise them basically the whole neighborhood is mm-hmm. trying to raise them or telling them how he's doing raising them and then you have Alexandra the aunt comes yes. in yes so that's a big theme in the book is who's going to raise them how are they going to be raised and everybody has different opinions on how they should be raised yes and to me the hardest parts of the book to read for me was exactly what you just said so Atticus has his ideas and his thoughts on how his children should be raised and of course all the women of the town and his sister Alexandria mm-hmm. are, are thinking oh my gosh she's going to grow up to be this wild yeah, child, she's wild out of control. Wearing overalls, cussing, yeah, spitting, fighting. <laughs> they're wanting to make a lady out of her, mm-hmm. and her, but her natural scouts, natural instincts are to be a tomboy. Yeah. So I really feel for her because I kind of was. I feel like I was kind of a tomboy yeah. growing up. I mean, and we I, both were and for I, sure. Yeah, we were, and I can't imagine having a, a, a mother type figure coming in that was, t- was t- had a totally different idea of how she should be raised, especially in situations that she was not comfortable And to me, with. that was one of Atticus' big struggles. He hit, To me, a big struggle for him was he wanted his kids to be raised how he thought fit, but he also wanted them to be respectful to other adults. So yeah. like when Alexander would tell them, you can or can't do this, mm-hmm. or Calpurnia would say, you can or can't do this, he was always having to walk that fine line between... Okay, mm-hmm. y'all have to listen because they're Cause adults. he wants them to be respected yeah, in the community. Yeah, in front of he's like, y'all listen to them. You're in, They're in charge no matter what. They're adults, which is right. But sometimes what they were saying didn't agree with how he thought. So I just felt like that was something I saw as an adult that I didn't see as a kid mm-hmm. that he was struggling with. Oh, I want them to respect adults, but I don't quite agree with what they're telling them to do. But mm-hmm. I'm still going to—they're still going to do it's it because an hard, adult said it. it ex- okay, so you just hit on it. It was hard to make your kid respect an adult that you didn't respect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were just talking before the podcast about this book, and and it, and I told you, I said, Joy, I there's so many things I want to talk about, but you know, I can't can't fit it all in. And you and you actually said. Oh, Angie, don't worry about it. We can't do justice to this book. No.
1: So, we could talk
0: about this book for a month and not do it justice yeah. and really get into all the all the meanings, all of the moral lessons, mm-hmm. all you know, we just all we can do is hit the highlights and talk about how much we love it. Right. So and the reason I said that was to say this, you know, we um it's just overwhelming to me, you know, leading this, just trying to uh, get to... Trying to condense a, <laughs> like you said, one of the greatest books of the one century. One of the greatest books that's ever been written. Into like a 30-minute podcast yeah, I mean, you just can't do it's, it. So it's impossible. I kind of took this route. I just thought, let's just have some fun. And mm-hmm. we're just going to discuss some of our favorite scenes. Yeah. And we're just going to go that route. And for everyone out there listening, you got to read the book. Yeah, if you haven't read yeah, the book, you, gotta you, gotta read you, you got to read it. You have to read it. the book. Yeah, so you're, if you haven't read it, you're missing... Out, I'm telling you. Okay, so one of my favorite and I'm just just a few, just a few little scenes here, and I wanted to get your your take on it. But one of my favorite scenes was the first day of school for Mm -hmm. Scout, and so. That poor teacher. The poor the teacher. She's, she's trying to be all... And you being a teacher, I just felt like you oh, probably feel for her. I felt like you. And the kids. I, I thought, okay, I don't have a clue what it's like to stand in front of a bunch of kids. But here she is. She's trying to be this Miss Prim and Proper and, and do the right thing. And she's dealing with these country kids. And she has all these newfangled ways of teaching and mm-hmm. yeah, I, progressive ideas. And yeah, and then she's had to deal with these kids. And then she has these some kids. They just show up on the first day of school every year just to get their name on the roll right. and then they leave and mm-hmm. she's like and she's having to deal with and then some of the kids are just super dirty they don't bathe they don't have good they have a bad family life or they're very poor and mm-hmm. don't have money but my fun one of my favorite parts of the book is she's after the toward the end of the day she's some things have happened and she's sitting at her desk crying. yeah and the kids are all surrounding her and they're going it's okay miss caroline those aren't make them ways yeah <laughs> those aren't our ways don't you worry one bit yeah I thought so they're all trying to comfort her that was, that was really sweet yeah I, I thought that part that was a really funny and then the other part and i thought this was funny because Um, There's a part of the book where... They put Scout into a tire, an old car tire, yeah. and they roll her down the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And did we not used to do that on the yes, playground? I, okay, that's why I was going to ask you. <laughs> I have these memories of these old tires on our playground, and we uh-huh. would get in the tire and uh-huh. roll each other around. Yes. So I, I'm not dreaming that up. We no. did do that, and I remember yes. I get so sick to my stomach and get so oh, dizzy. I remember getting you would get out of it and you would be so dizzy. Yes. And so that part to me was so funny because she's he he was mad at her first of all. G- yeah. So Jim, her brother, was mad at her, and he pushes her extra hard. Mm-hmm. And she's rolling down the sidewalk, and she said she's praying that he can run ahead of her and stop her because she doesn't know what she's going to hit. Mm-hmm. And she ends up rolling over into the Boo yeah, Radley's yard. Yeah, she bumps into Boo Radley's house. Yeah. Pops out of the tire and looks up, and there's the house right yeah. in front of her. And, of course, they're scared to death of Boo Radley's house. And I believe Jim is going, go get the tire, Scout. Go get the tire. She's <laughs> like, you get it. No, you're right there. You mm-hmm. know, they're fighting over who's going to get the tire. Yeah. Okay, and then there's Deal. He's a great character. And I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off no, here. but bit. I was trying to think if we had anything to compare that to in our childhood. Did we have a house we were scared of? Did we oh, have somewhere? good, good one. Well, good there was this house in this little town we used to live at, lived in. It was a big red brick. It still stands there today. And there's a laundromat next to it. Oh. <laughs> do you remember this? And I remember we went outside. And you may not remember this, and who knows? Maybe I'm dreaming. I remember it the laundry mat. a laundry mat, and I said, "Look at that house! A witch lives there." I do remember that. And I <laughs> was trying to convince you a witch lived there, mm-hmm. and and I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of to compare it to. Yeah, yeah. We, so didn't, we didn't have a we Boo didn't Radley have a Boo Radley. Radley. And by the and way, it. when we got a Tucker, a little dog, I wanted to name him Boo Radley, but oh. Jeff didn't want to. <laughs> I was like, oh. Jeff, wouldn't that be cute to call him? boo radley and he's like no Aww. i just thought that'd be cute boo radley but oh, or uh, any or of the jim Addict scout, scout i think and i think scout's a cute name for a girl didn't demi Moore name her yes daughter scout. and i always yeah. wondered if that was after scout from oh, to kill a mockingbird surely i would think uh but, but anyway there and this is another little sidebar and i'm getting off subject here but um, I don't know where I saw this, but I ran across this one day. There is a band, and I don't even know if they're still around. This is from a long time ago called the Boo Radleys. Oh, yes, yes, I have heard of them. Okay, yeah, the, okay. I'm sorry, I'm getting no, off subject no, here. No, no, that's okay. Um, and then, like I said, we're not going to really get into the deep, dark depths of some of these more um, um, heavy themes in yeah. the book, but. What did you think about the trial and the scenes in the trial? It Just was very uh, dramatic, very inter- mm-hmm. even though they kept saying Atticus was dry and he could make him even a murder case or whatever. It's not a murder case, I know. He's he basically they always say it doesn't matter how interesting or dramatic or exciting Atticus had very dry way, a very kind of boring way, and he can make anything boring. Oh, kind of monotonous yeah. in a way. Yeah. but to me, or... the trial was fascinating. It keeps you on your toes. You want to hear everything the witnesses are saying. And right, everything. yeah. I just thought, okay, for, to me, the, the trial scenes were some of the best passages in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was... I mean I I was hanging on every word through that trial. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she did a a great job she did of a setting fun. up the trial. Yeah, she I mean the characters that she used and then the the way Atticus would would examine them or you know cross-examine mm-hmm. or whatever and the judge, he was funny. I just thought that trial was exce- yeah. exceptional, some exceptional writing. Definitely one of the best courtroom scenes in literature, I'm sure. Yeah, and there was a one um passage that they talked about that to me it kind of summed up how Atticus felt about being a lawyer in court and they mm-hmm. were talking about he said he said, Kids, there's one institution in our country that can make a pauper equal a Rockefeller, a stupid person equal an Einstein, and um I'm sorry, I can't read my writing there, but you get the, the yeah. You get he the said idea. it was the great equalizer. Yeah. The yes. court is the only thing that is an actual, actual equalizer. Yeah, and makes he, all men equal. Yeah, so he was t- if it's used correctly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that was the point I was getting remake was you know he's talking about our court system is the great equalizer in society. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you should get justice. But mm-hmm. of course, this book is about a man who did not get justice. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So then. Um, Well, this is kind of part of the same thing, really. Uh, Just picturing... Okay, so the kids didn't have anywhere to sit during the trial, so they ended up sitting in the balcony, and that was where all the black people sat. Right. And one of the most... uh, one of the best parts of the book to me, the gripping parts, was Atticus, you know, he's leaving the courtroom. And in his mind, he kind of knows he's not going to win. He feels yeah. like he's not going to get a fair trial. I think he knew trial. he was defeated before yeah. he ever began. But that's what made it so heroic. He fought hard anyway. He fought hard knowing he was against all odds and probably going to lose. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite parts of the book is when he, the trial is over. He walks mm-hmm. down the middle of the aisle and Atticus and Jim are sitting there. And they notice everyone around them is standing. Mm-hmm. and then and or one of, Jim and together. Oh, uh, yeah. what I'm you said, so, Atticus? Oh, and I'm Jim. sorry. Well, so Atticus is walking down the aisle, leaving mm-hmm. the courtroom, and and Jim and Scout are sitting in the balcony. And someone says, "Stand up, your father's passing." By. Yeah, that was to me one of the most moving passages in the whole book. They showed him respect by standing when he exited yeah. the courtroom. And then after that, of course, uh, the next day he was really surprised to find that a lot of the the colored community mm-hmm. had brought just food and hand and stuff they probably couldn't afford yeah. and didn't even have, but they, that's, they were showing their respect by bringing him all that. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I've just got one more scene to talk about. And this is my, my favorite part of the book. It's the saddest part of the book, mm-hmm. but it's also my favorite part of the book It's toward the, one of the last chapters in the book, she has to be in this, some big production that they're doing and that she, and she has to dress like a ham. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, I want to say it's chapter 28 and there's, I believe there's 31 chapters in the book. So it's toward the end. Right. But anyway, That whole chapter... Okay. I don't know why, Joy, but it just... It brought me back to my childhood. So we grew up always having to be in these silly plays, whether it be in church or school. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'd have to be an angel or we'd have to wear different costumes. But the way she described Scout having to wear... She was a ham because she was representing the agriculture in Macon County or something like that. But the way they described her having to put that costume on, walk to school, to Mm -hmm. the auditorium at night, and the way they described that, and then she, she was sitting backstage as the as the person leading it droned on and yes. on and she falls asleep. But every bit of that, I felt like I was back in school sitting mm-hmm. behind the auditorium in Hackett. Me too. It definitely brought back memories of mm-hmm. us being in plays in mm-hmm. that little small town mm-hmm. and we'd dress up. You're right. We always had to have a costume or maybe it was some sort of a choir mm-hmm. or concert where we had to sing. But I remember like being backstage and being nervous about yes, going on and, stage. and when she said she could see the, the blazing lights in the distance from mm-hmm. the auditorium, I just... I just felt like she was reciting something that could have happened from our childhood. Yeah, it was just. I agree. Very. It definitely brought me back to our childhood. Yes, and and I could. It reminded me of like being out on an autumn night, Mm -hmm. um, in the dark. You know how sometimes you had to feel your way around. Anyway, it. I I guess there was a nostalgia about it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But, okay. Anything you wanna add we're we're pretty much done discussing passages within the book. Is there anything I haven't mentioned that you want to I just to love talk about? To me, some of my favorite scenes are just when the kids are playing, just their imagination. You know, it's not like today where the kids are stuck in front of YouTube channels or playing Among Us or whatever. Uh-huh. They are outside. They're playing. They're using their imaginations. The stuff they talk about is so funny. They're always trying to figure out ways to get Boo Radley to come out. I love, love, love the passages where the kids are playing and we get to listen to their dialogue. Oh, I do. I do, too. And yeah, there were, didn't one time they use a fishing pole to try to yeah, pass a note to, to Boo Radley? Just come on out. We won't hurt you. I don't even remember what I said. Yeah, that, that was great. Okay, so you and I uh, both listened to this on Audible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sissy Spacek was the narrator. Yes. Now, we've already had this discussion, but our listeners don't know, aren't aware of that. So let's just fill them in on our okay. thoughts on Miss Spacek.
1: Okay, so.
0: <laughs> so No, we have to remember before I say anything negative. We love Sissy Spacek. Yes. Right? Remember Co-Miner's daughter? She's got to be Southern. Yeah, well, maybe we sang her She's praises so and we talked about how she deserved that Oscar. Remember how much we loved her in *Coal Mon- Oh, is that what yeah, you just that's said, what Cole I'm Mon- about. About oh, uh, yeah, I, I was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we love her. And Angie, you kept talking about what a phenomenal narrator she is. And I, she did an <laughs> amazing job as a narrator. But it sounded like she had a head cold. Like it said, and I am not one to talk because I know I have sinus problems, major sinus problems all the time, and I always feel like I'm talking through my nose and like my sinus are stopped up. But I, the
1: oh, whole time I, I heard just,
0: her, I felt like she had a major sinus stop. Can I just insert here to our listeners? Yes, we are aware that we sniff and cough and sneeze we, yeah. we listen to our podcast so yes we are aware that we do the same thing and we but, both decided yeah. we need to take sinus medication <laughs> like an hour before our podcast but yeah. back to sissy space uh, she's amazing and she's a great oh she did a great job but i just felt like she was talking up through her i just felt like she had a sinus infection the whole time it's not like she had a cold the whole time Okay, Angie's giving me the <laughs> evil eye. How dare I say anything against her precious sissy spacex? I cannot I, I told you I love her. She did a great job. I, I just feel like she needs to take some NyQuil. That's all. Are you ever going to say anything positive about a narrator on Audible? <laughs> yes, I think I've said a okay. few positive things. You've said your piece. Now it's my turn. Okay, oh. your turn. Okay, so this is what I think. Okay, have you ever watched a movie and there's a really big star in it. And the whole time, you it's you can't think of that person as the character because mm-hmm. you're like, it's Tom Cruise. It's yeah. not like this person. Uh, yeah, you can't separate the real person because, from the yeah, character. Yeah, and so to me, the sign or the mark of a great actress or actor is someone who can play a character, but you're not thinking of them as that star. Yes, yes. Well, in this book, I kept thinking when I first heard it was Sissy Spacek. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to be thinking about Sissy Spacek. Mm-hmm. But I immediately forgot for it was her reading yeah. it and all through the book and she very rarely did she come to mind that was her reading right. to me that was a sign of a good narrator that I was that she was so into the book and the characters and her I thought her voices were awesome they were I'm <laughs> not saying that like I'm just saying personally yeah that I think her voices were awesome her inflections mm-hmm. um some of the way You know how the, You know how you can read a sentence But if you don't pause At the, at the yeah. right spot mm-hmm. Or you don't put the emphasis On the right you don't, word it's inflections not as, just a certain way It's not as effective Yeah Well she was really good at that Oh very yeah, good Yeah she was really good So I just gotta say I thought Sissy Spacek I honestly This is one of those things Like you know how we're always like Oh I couldn't think of A different person to play that role Yeah Just like there's no way Anyone could have played Atticus Except Gregory Peck Yeah Well I can't think of anyone That could have read this book Besides Sissy Spacek Spin. Maybe Reese Witherspoon Yeah. Maybe, but anyway, I thought she did really good. Okay, so let's do our book rating, and okay, I want you to guess my book rating, and I know you think you've got this in the bag. Is it not the obvious Mockingbird? It is not. Ooh. So what would your second... Boo Radley? How many Boo (sighs) (laughs) Radley. Joy... How many Boo Radleys do you give this book? Yeah. Okay. You got it on your second try. I'll give you that. (laughs) Okay. Well, you already know my answer. I'm giving it five Boo Radleys. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. We can't talk about a book that was nominated for the Book of the Century and mm-hmm. not give it five Boo Radleys. Yeah. I mean, it definitely deserves five. It Boo is an Radleys. amazing, it's book. it's an amazing book. Okay, just real quickly before we close, uh, if someone asked you why why should I read this book, what would you just tell them in a nutshell? Oh my goodness, that's a hard question. There's so many You're reasons. Right. Yeah, I guess that's not as as simple answer. It's just an amazing coming of age story. It has a wonderful story. It's just so well written. I don't know, I'll just go on and on. It's for I would tell them if you like stories set in the South. Mm-hmm. It's about children. It's their funny antics mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, the the adults. The the way they describe some of the adults is just as funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a. A murder trial in there yeah. and maybe if our like youth of today i guess mm-hmm. i should say maybe they don't know a lot about the civil rights movement or don't know mm-hmm. how things used to be how mm-hmm. bad things used to be it might be an eye-opener to them wow was it really that bad yeah you know so it might be good very educational yeah very educational but that, what's really crazy is she's she's given us this deep message but it's in a mm-hmm. very entertaining way yeah Mm-hmm. So, Okay, so now it is time for the reading of our favorite passages. So, And we talked about this too. We, we struggled with finding our favorite mm-hmm. passages because there's so many. I had four picked out. Let's I, just say I that. Only, I narrowed it down to two, but it was tough. Mm-hmm. It was really tough. So I'm going to go ahead. This is at the very beginning of the book. I believe it's the first chapter. And it's just describing the town of Maycomb. And it just shows what a wonderful writer and how she gets us into the setting of Maycomb. Macon was an old town, but it was a tired old town when I first knew it. In rainy weather, the streets turned to red slop. Grass grew on the sidewalks. The courthouse sagged in the square. Somehow, it was hotter then. A black dog suffered on a summer's day. Bony mules hitched to hoover carts flicked flies in the sweltering shade of the live oaks on the square. Men's stiff collars wilted by nine in the morning. Ladies bathed before noon after their three o'clock naps, and by nightfall were like soft tea cakes with frostings of sweat and sweet, pal- sweet talcum. People moved slowly then. They ambled across the square, shuffled in and out of the stores around it, took their time about everything. A day was twenty four hours long, but seemed longer. There was no hurry, for there was nowhere to go, nothing to buy, and no money to buy it with, nothing to see outside the boundaries of Macomb County. But it was a time of vague optimism for some of the people. Macomb County had recently been told that it had nothing to fear but fear itself. I just love Mm. that, the slow pace Mm. and, like, no materialism and you know there's nothing to buy nothing to buy it with sometimes mm-hmm. I long for those simpler days of just uh, a slower pace of life and the focus isn't always on a, a, a gaining more and more material things uh, oh yeah that is a I'm glad you picked that passage because that is one of my favorite passages too. Uh, and I, I will say the first time I remember as a ninth grader or whenever we read this I don't know why that particular passage stood out in my mind. Something about when the women's sweat was like tea cakes or something. Yeah, I, I, I remember that yes. from reading that I just from love that all description. Those years ago. Here, mm-hmm. sure, I'll let you read yours, and we'll just kind of go back and forth. Oh, okay. So, because uh, you're going to read that one. I have uh, one where the kids are talking that's real funny. Okay, good. I was hoping you would read that. Okay, so I'm just going to read this one passage, and um, just to set it up, because it's kind of just... Jumps in here, but uh, basically, Scout is trapped at this ladies' meeting, and you know she really doesn't want to be there, but she's sitting among all these ladies, and they're having this discussion. And Sissy Spacek does uh, do a wonderful job. <laughs> yes. If anybody out there listens to this on Audible with Sissy mm-hmm. Spacek, I love how she does this lady's voice that you're about you know to what do. I should have done. I should have played her reading, reading that, like I did that last well, time. If but... our listeners get a chance, you should definitely listen yeah. to uh, her, especially this part. I love how she portrays this character um it is i just want to tell what chapter it is but i can't remember anyway okay mrs gracie merriweather sat on my left and i felt it would be polite to talk to her mr merriweather a faithful methodist under duress apparently saw nothing personal in singing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me it was the general opinion of however that mrs merriweather had sobered him up and made a reasonably useful citizen of him For certainly Mrs. Merriweather was the most devout lady in Maycomb. I searched for a topic of interest to her. What did you all study this afternoon? I asked. Oh, child, those poor Maroonas! she said and was off. Few other questions would be necessary. Mrs. Merriweather's large brown eyes always filled with tears when she considered the oppressed. Livin' in that jungle with nobody but Jay Grimes Everett, she said. Not a white person'll go near em, but that saintly Jay Grimes Everett. Mrs. Merriweather played her voice like an organ. Every word she said received its full measure. The poverty, the darkness, the immorality. Nobody but Jay Grimes Everett knows. You know, when the church gave me that trip to the campgrounds, J. Grimes Everett said to me, Was he there, ma'am? I thought. Home on leave. J. Grimes Everett said to me, he said, Mrs. Merriweather, you have no conception, no conception of what we are fighting over there. That's what he said to me. Yes, ma'am. I said to him, Mr. Everett, I said, the ladies of Makem, Alabama Methodist Episcopal Church, South, are behind you 100%. That's what I said to him, and you know, right then and there, I made a pledge in my heart. I said to myself, when I go home, I'm going to give a course on the Maroonas and bring J. Grimes Everest's message to Makem, and that's just what I'm doing. Yes, ma'am, I said. Oh, my goodness. Standing ovation. <laughs> I think that was an Oscar-worthy performance. Oh, well, now, Sissy Spacek. No, I you had, like, she has nothing on you. Oh, wow. That was amazing.
1: You know uh, that's exactly
0: how I, I can picture that lady sounding, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that and... um passage was hilarious to me. And the whole point behind that was she was being a hypocrite. You know, yeah. She was talking about these poor Indian tribe and mm-hmm. how they're living in sin and squalor, but yet she wouldn't even help any people that was in her, yeah, back, in her, back, her backyard. Yeah, in her own backyard. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, yeah, that's one problem I have because I do... Um, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to prove a point here. I do give a little money each month to these two boys in Peru through that Compassion International. Oh, I didn't know you and, did that. And, mm-hmm. yeah. And ju- my husband's like, you know, we have people right here who need help. I'm like, you know, that's true. Mm-hmm. And and we do try to pe- help people as much as we can if we know someone has a need. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, once again, I'm not trying to sound prideful here. I'm, uh, but my point is I do struggle with that. Oh, maybe should I be trying to find someone closer to home? Because that was the point of this passage. Mm-hmm. You feel sorry for those people halfway across the world, but mm-hmm. you won't help people in your own backyard. Right. Like, you know, because this is one of the ones that was talking about, about Tom Robinson, I believe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so my passage is, like I said earlier, I love it when they do the scenes with the kids. So I just picked one of the little scenes oh, with I'm the kids. Oh, I'm glad you did because we need And I, need to do gosh, that. how do I follow in your footsteps? That was amazing. Oh, well. Oh, gosh. I should have let you go first. I know. But, oh, well. You should have. That's now okay. I've got to follow you, in your gigantic footsteps. You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So this is just uh, Jim and Scout, you know, the brother and sister. And Deal is a little boy who comes and visits every summer. And Deal has a big imagination. He's very mm-hmm. dramatic. I love Deal. Okay. Um, we had strolled to the front yard where Deal stu- stood looking down the street at the dreary face of the Radley Place. I... "'Smell death,' he said. (laughs) "'I do, I mean it,' he said, when I told him to shut up. "'You mean when somebody's dying, you can smell it?' "'No, I mean I can smell somebody and tell if they're gonna die. "'An old lady taught me how. "'Dill leaned over and sniffed me. (laughs) "'Jane, Louise, Finch, you are going to die in three days. (laughs) "'Dill, if you don't hush, I'll knock you bow-legged. "'I mean it now!' "'Y'all hush,' growled Jim. "'You act like you believe in hot steams.' "'You act like you don't,' I said. "'What's a hot steam?' asked Dill. Haven't you ever walked... Who's saying this? Okay. Haven't you ever walked along a lonesome road at night and passed by a hot place? Jim asked Dill. A hot steam somebody who can't get to heaven. Just wallows around on lonesome roads, and if you walk through them, when you die, you'll be one too. And you'll go around at night sucking people's breath. <laughs> well, how can you keep from passing through one? You can't, said Jim. Sometimes they stretch all the way across the road. But if you have to go through one, you say... Angel bright, life in death, get off the road, don't suck my breath. <laughs> that keeps them from wrapping around you. And then it goes oh, on. that I'm, I'm so, so glad you read that. that. Scene. Uh, so okay, so we were getting ready to close, but that was one thing that I wanted to talk about that we mm-hmm. didn't get to. And the one reason I love this book is they have so many superstitions. Yes, uh-huh. and they're and they're absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I, I, to me, that was the most comical part of the book. Was all and and that was that was one of many passages yes, like that. I uh-huh. should say. Okay. So, anything you want to add before we close? No, it's just an amazing book and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have probably already read it, but if you have not read this book, you you have to read it. You what have to What about the movie? I mean, I don't want to Like I said, we are getting ready to close, but just, would you recommend the movie? Yeah, I just, it's older, and of Mm -hmm. course, Gregory Peck does an amazing Mm -hmm. job as Atticus, and of course, it's awesome, but you know, it's older, it's black and white. Do do they have a newer movie out? No, but see, I kind of differ with you on that, because I just feel like it's one of those movies that stood the test of time. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. So yeah, if you're into older black and white movies, definitely. It almost gives it more of that older feel because mm-hmm. it is in black and white yeah um but I'm, I'm almost sure i read somewhere that the movie that it's very rare for it to have such a phenomenal book a big hit mm-hmm. and the movie to do just as well but yeah. it did they said the book and the movie both did extremely well okay which is very rare if you think yeah. about that so um, I love the movie. Uh, I thought it was it's really good. It's been so long since I've seen it. Maybe we should have a movie night Yes, um, and watch it one night. But that uh, this this book is one of those books that I feel like I could read it, just pick it up once a year and never get tired of it. Yeah, yeah. me too. And honest, I know I have say this all the time, I wish they would make a newer mm-hmm. movie yeah. version. Wouldn't it be cool if they made a... A modern movie version of it today. You know what? That might be our next calling, Joy, to take some of these books that need a a newer version or a a movie made about them and let us uh, write the screenplay and produce it. Yeah, we could write the screenplay. We could pick the actors. We could get to be on the set. That would be so cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time on Twin Twin Talk. Talk.